Good evening, and welcome to this week's episode of This Week's Episode. I'm your host, Evan Goldstein, and with me as always is the lovely Karen Randazzo. What if we live together and you understand what I'm saying? And the ever-charming Chris Randazzo. It's nothing that the two of us can't handle, and it's a lot better than doing dishes. On this week's episode, we talk television. Um, This week, though, we're doing something a little special, seeing as it is our most closest recording to Valentine's Day. I mean, it is after Valentine's Day, but it's still closer than our last recording to Valentine's Anywho, we're talking about television couples. Um, we, I, I posed the question, who do you feel is the best TV couple and why? So we're going to be talking about specific episodes that will strengthen our point for why we feel that these people are the best couple on television. I will be talking about a couple from Firefly. Karen will be discussing a couple from Friends. Chris will be discussing a couple from Dragon Ball Z. Surprising no one. <laughs> oh, come on. I think that's a little surprising. <laughs> Just I don't a think any of these choices are surprising for any of us. <laughs> and as we were discussing this, I went down this weird path of like, well, what if... Because like, we're talking about shows that are gone... And if we what shows we want to bring back, and I pose the question, what television show would you bring back under the stipulation that you have to change something to make it a success? So for our second half of the show, we will be discussing that. Um, I would like, I want to see where Chris goes with this. So Chris, start us off with some Dragon Ball Z coupling. Okay, um, so this is... This is, in my opinion, one of my, my, it's one of my favorite, if not my absolute favorite TV couple I've ever seen. Um, and it's just because, uh, it's so interesting and it, it shows growth in a way that, uh, I guess a lot of TV shows doesn't. And unfortunately in new, the new series of Dragon Ball Super, they've kind of undone a lot of this. Uh, but as of the episode that I specifically want to talk about, the, the the grouping that I like so much is Gohan and Videl from Dragon Ball Z. Now, you've heard me talk about Dragon Ball Z on this show before, and you know that it is absolutely and completely absurd. <laughs> like, this show is ridiculous. People fly around, shoot lasers out of their hands. It's it's nuts. What What better place to breed love and romance, though? <laughs> Well, what's interesting about this is that, all right, so most of what I've spoken about is is Goku, the main character, and Goku has a son named Gohan, and throughout the course of Dragon Ball Z, you get to see Gohan grow up. Gohan is um, half Saiyan and half human, and he is potentially obscenely powerful. So Goku really wants to train him and make him crazy powerful, but Gohan's mom is all about how smart Gohan is and making sure that he keeps up with his studies because Gohan's a really smart kid and he likes books and it doesn't, it's like half of his natural inclination is to fight. Other half of his inclination is to be a scholar. So this is pretty late on in the series. Gohan is a teenager and he wants to go to high school. And it turns out that the rest of the world that Dragon Ball Z takes place in is actually relatively normal. Like it's still odd, but it's not like people flying around and shooting laces in their hand is is as scary to the people in Dragon Ball Z universe as it would be to us walking outside and seeing like a bald guy in a karate gi fly by and shoot lasers out of his hands. I saw that guy. Did you see him with the hoverboard? 
in the city? No. There was a oh, guy. Oh, yeah, there was oh. a video dress of a guy dressed in a Dragon Ball costume yeah, on, like, yeah. a hoverboard. <laughs> he put a, yeah, I saw People he have made too it. much time on their hands. They really Continue. do. All right, so Gohan goes to, goes to school, and on his first trip into school, um, this is just going to be a little brief history lesson. On his first trip into school, he notices uh, a mugging, and so he transforms and goes Super Saiyan so that nobody would recognize him, because when you go Super Saiyan, your hair turns blonde. And he just really quickly stops the uh, stops the crime, and then people start showing and be like, "Holy crap! Did you see what that guy did?" And then he flies away. <laughs> so he sh- he shows up at school and he meets this girl named Videl, and um, she's the daughter of the world's premier martial artist, like standard martial artist guy, like you know punches and kicks and stuff like that. No laser and, shooting. Um, yeah, no no laser shooting, no okay. crazy powers and stuff like that. And she hears about this golden-haired guy, and so uh, and she starts trying to track down who he is. And Gohan, meanwhile, is like, "All right, I need like a superhero costume if I'm going to fight crime because Gohan's a nerd. He's a tremendous nerd, and he's like, wait a minute, I have superpowers. I'm going to be a superhero." <laughs> so he goes all like super superpower superhero costume thing. His his friend, tech billionaire genius woman, uh, invents him like a, a watch, kind of like the Flash's ring, so that like an outfit will go on and off of him, like with a moment's notice. Okay. And uh, Videl eventually figures out who Gohan is, and it's like, I know you are this superhero guy, and I've seen you do some really weird shit. I want you to, I want you to show me what the hell this is about. So. Eventually, he winds up, you know, uh, she basically blackmails him. She's like, I'll tell everyone who you are if you don't train me. So she, uh, you know, they, they meet out in like this this field. And, and this specific episode is the episode that I love the world building so much in this that Gohan tries to explain to Videl and they actually kind of draw some lines to make sense of the weird shit that characters can do in Dragon Ball. And he explains about, um, you know, where this energy comes from, and he, he attempts to teach her how to, to control energy and then use it in order to fly. And they, they add this this just layer of, of, not realism, but explanation, and makes the whole thing feel a lot better. What's cool about this is that Dragon Ball Z is awful to women. Like, absolutely terrible. Every woman that has ever been on Dragon Ball is a shrill harpy. And then you get Videl. And she is strong and confident and smart, but, you know, also ever so slightly girlish. She is not, like, she doesn't go there because she thinks Gohan is cute. She goes there because she sees an, 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 a way to get herself stronger. She sees a way to take her training to the next level because she herself is also an incredibly good martial artist. And the way that those two characters essentially fall in love is from this very strange plot and involving like otherworldly characters and whatnot, but it's, it's a very kind of reluctant thing. Like, she's not there to fall in love and Gohan didn't bring her there because he was in love with her or anything like that. They fell in love over this bizarre martial arts training. And in this episode in particular, um, what was it? Uh, fly or go fly Videl or some shit like that. I don't remember the name of the, the, the episode title. Take I was just, flight. Take Videl. flight Videl. Yes. 
um, he actually accomplishes the task of getting her to, to fly. She, like, levitates a few inches off the ground. And it's really interesting to watch because, like, he's all like, yes, hooray, you did it. And she's exhausted from just this <laughs> small feat. Now, the other fun aspect of this is that, so, like, Goku and Gohan and, and this whole crew, they live, like, in the middle of fucking nowhere and don't deal with society at all. <laughs> like, okay. they're just complete friggin' hermits. So, Gohan is already kind of socially awkward. Gohan also has a little brother named Goten. And Goten is, like, all up on his training and whatnot. But he's never learned how to fly, so he tags along on this training and learns how to fly in, like, five seconds and is, like, flying around all over the place, which thus pisses off Videl because she's like, Gohan's like, oh, martial artist, it takes years and years to learn how to fly. You're, you're doing great. And then Goten, this five-year-old, is flying around like a lunatic. It's um, it's very amusing. But I love the realism of... of I, I love the weirdness of watching a quasi-realistic character run into this completely bizarre other, not even remotely realistic character, and seeing the two of them kind of get together. And they eventually enter a, a martial arts tournament, Vigel, Videl gets the shit kicked out of her, um, and then they use uh, the, these these magic beans to heal her, which <laughs> freaks her the fuck out. She gets up and she's like... Oh, what <laughs> happened to me? And then, like, she follows them off. Like, at this point, these characters are so insanely strong, and she flies to catch up with them. And one of my favorite little things that they're doing is, like, they're just flying through the sky as fast as they can, and Videl's kind of lagging behind, and she's got her arms up over her face, and it's because she's not used to flying and she's not used to the wind being in her eyes. Like, <laughs> the fact that they paid enough attention to write something like that into it. And she eventually ha hung back because she realized, like, she's way out of her league here. But I loved the bravery of that character. And in the, in the, the distant future in the show, she eventually gets her own superhero costume and the two of them go out and fight crime together all the time in these really dorky outfits. <laughs> and I just love the way those characters interact with one another. And the fact that they made a smart female character so late shows that that show was willing to evolve and as many problems as it wound up having i love the character of adele so much and i really liked what they did with gohan and i guess as sort of a, a side point after it is is what disappoints me and is also also kind of exciting at the same time about Videl's character is now dragon ball super takes place a long time later gohan and Videl are married and um she uh they they had a kid together and she's kind of useless now like she doesn't fight at all she just sits there and is anime trope quiet smiling wife um, so they took the 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 heart of the character out it seems they did they took her whole character out which is very disappointing but the other piece of it that i i do kind of like is that gohan the whole way they, they did this last part of Dragon Ball Z was that Gohan just kept getting stronger and stronger. And Gohan's character in Dragon Ball Super is a scholar. He has stopped training entirely and has dedicated himself entirely to books and his family. And uh, I thought that was a really neat direction to take that character because it seemed like Dragon Ball Z was setting up to have Gohan take over for Goku, but... I liked that they allowed the character to be true to himself. Like, 
he didn't want to grow up and be his dad. He wanted to grow up and be like his dad, but he also wanted to be successful in a more traditional sense and, you know, have a relatively normal family because uh, Goku and his wife, Chi-Chi, have a horrible relationship. Um, really, almost to a disturbing degree. Um, but that that is what it is. I'm, I'm hopeful that maybe someday they'll do something about Videl and make her some sort of strong character again in the future, but I sincerely doubt it because those characters have been really, really pushed aside. But at this point in the series, when they concentrated so much on introducing this new character and made her so good and the way those two characters interacted with each other and their love story arc, because there had never been a good love story on Dragon Ball before. <laughs> They're just I, like... I, to be honest with you, I don't think people are tuning in for the love story. <laughs> No, but you know, in like a lot of science fiction, like you're going to talk about Firefly and in lots of science fiction and cartoons and things like that, there's usually some sort of love interest somewhere, but they didn't touch on that at all in in Dragon Ball Z, really. Uh, And the times they did touch on it, it was very not interesting. It was very odd. And to see them do this and do it so well uh, made me happy. So... With this specific episode where Gohan is teaching Videl how to use and, and harness energy is so fun to watch for me uh, that it just it makes me smile every time. Cool. Fantastic. It's nice that uh, that you... Well, it's weird because when I, when I think of Dragon Ball Z, I definitely don't think of like storyline or plot because of what my experiences with it. It's been, you know lasers shooting out of dude's hands and <laughs> stuff like that. It, it's nice to hear that there's actually some sort of plot to it and relationship building and, and story arcs and whatnot. Well, I've always said that Dragon Ball Z is an amazing story told horribly. <laughs> and this is true. You have made that comment before. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going to go next. Um, <laughs> when when I came up with the, 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 the thought of you know who I'm going to do. I, I, it was very it immediately popped into my head that this is the couple that I want. I just had to decide which episode because there are so many to choose from. My couple is Hal, Hal, whew, excuse me, Hal Jordan, Hal Jordan, at no, Malcolm Reynolds and Inara uh, from Firefly. Now, technically speaking, how come Inara doesn't get a last name, huh? Inara Sarah. She has a yeah. Thank Inara you, Sarah. Evan. There you um, go. I mean, that's what I'm saying. You, well, you said Malcolm Reynolds is true. and Inara. This, listen, on. I am hopped up on fucking <laughs> gold medicine, okay? Those two syllables wouldn't have killed you. <laughs> um, there are a lot of Malcolms on TV. There are not is, that many Inaras. This is very true. <laughs> Malcolm Merlin and Inara <laughs> I'd watch that show, not for nothing. Yo, I would too. So, I'd watch I, anything with John Barrowman. Sorry, Evan. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I fully understand why this went down a different path. Um, the, technically speaking, they have never actually been a couple on the show. They were the romantic line of the story because they had you had the couple that was on the show, which you know, um, holy Wash crackers and, Zoe. and cheese, Zoe and Wash, and like they were a couple. It was official. And then you had the the Simon and and Kaylee relationship that was you they it seemed like that the show was trying to force them together like that was you needed to pay attention to them because would they won't they type of thing 
the the relationship between Mal and Anara was was something that you just knew it was there. Like, yes, it's obvious. And the episode that I chose, which as I watched it again, I'm like, maybe this wasn't the best choice up until I got to the end, and, it, and it's Heart of Gold. And the episode starts with Inara getting a call from an old friend. The reason the friend is calling is because she runs a brothel on a planet, and that brothel is being terrorized by one of the more uppity socialites of of the town who feels that he has knocked up one of the the whores from this brothel and that the child is his he's he's absolutely sure and he's going to take that child no matter what or who tries to stop him so and she has a great name i mean petaline oh petaline is a great name amazing um the, what was the what was the douchebag's name again? Uh, Rance Burgess. Rance 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 Burgess. Rance. Um, oh boy! Yeah, what like a he, shithead. Yeah, he's like one of the first faces you see on screen, and you immediately know that this guy's a douchebag. <laughs> immediately, and he's all up on like like just shy of like preacher level. That everything that he does is for the greater good and he is in the right and blah 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 and you know he's crazy like he is straight up nut bar he even gets godly at a certain point doesn't he he's all like we you know we have god on our side yes. or some crazy I, I, shit like that halfway, is- halfway through the episode or so he is preaching to his group of guys that he's getting to go run up run like the the bordello over and take his kid back and he is straight up standing on a, on a balcony preaching to at the end of the the sermon, if you will, he has one of the hookers blow him. It's not really put on screen, but he tells the girl to get on her knees, which I, I forgot. I was like, wow, didn't realize that was in this episode. And he does it all like, you know, where a woman belongs. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> it was just really... when you think this guy was as detestable as could be. <laughs> he just won. He just like went one more. Turned it to 11, if you will. Um, So... Inara is, is called in by the uh, Nandi, was her name? Was her name Nandi? Yes. If I'm not mistaken. And Nandi and Inara sort of came up together in in the service, if you will. They were both <laughs> companions. <laughs> Which is actually, you know, it's a real thing. Like they're professionals and, you know, they. There is servicing involved. <laughs> that's sort of why I was using that term. But that's besides the point. Uh, but Nandy couldn't take the. <laughs> I'm gonna try. Okay. All right, she couldn't take the rigidity of the 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 job, so she just booked it and she opened up her own. Well, she didn't open up. She took over a brothel on this podunk planet, and she has been running it and taking care of her staff. As <laughs> wow, everything has such secondary connotation. Um, she's in charge, okay, and she realizes that. The situation that she is in is way above her. She can't handle it. So she calls in. Why she calls Anara? I don't know if she knows that Anara's on the ship with the rest of the crew. But she, I, I thought it was just that she knew that Anara was like, it's like she was looking through her her digital Rolodex and like, it's like, well, Anara's somewhere in some sort of vicinity. Right. And like, she's like, she I, heard, I, I heard you were in the area. And I called you. Like, okay. It just so happens that Anara is... is teamed up with this ragtag group of people but it just worked out so the whole crew goes down 
um, to help out. They they had the, the the doc takes care of the pregnant woman. The preacher fortifies the joint. Jane fucks a bunch of girls. I mean, the whole situation is protect this place and these girls and there were a couple of boys there too the reason that this episode to me shows the relationship that could have been and should have been perfect is because at one point in time mal hooks up with nandy now nandy was under the impression that mal had feelings for anara and he, she was trying to help him get over her if you will um, because she Hump knew the feelings away, as it were. Yes, she she was under the impression that Anara did not feel the same way. Um, it turns out she was wrong because when <laughs> Mal, you know, Mal comes out of the, the 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 room just shy of doing the walk of shame, and <laughs> as soon as he comes out of the bedroom, Anara's right there, and they have this little back and forth where she says. Oh, well, uh, I'm glad it was you. Uh, I'm glad you were with her. Everything's okay. I'm just upset with her. You know, she has such bad taste. Like, she plays it off like the strong woman that she is. And in the next scene, she's sitting in her bedroom crying her eyes out. Like, it it actually showed, the like, for the first time, really the feelings that Inara has for Mal. As the episode progresses, you know, mayhem ensues this fighting and lasers and and a fire hose and a fire hose that was awesome <laughs> well you know they had to give shepherd book something to shoot so <laughs> he was in charge of the fire hose the shepherd uh, was in charge of the hose yes he was um it turns out hose it turned the hose the hose hose <laughs> oh, jesus people please let me get through this before i pass out <laughs> that's what she said <laughs> you're welcome um, <laughs> Rance gets into the into the brothel and takes the kid and is working his way out. He gets stopped in the hallway by Nandy. He, you know, they have a little confrontation back and forth. Inara threatens him with a knife to his throat, saying, "You know, give the kid back, or I'm going to make you bleed a little bit more blood than you actually can spare to lose." Um, and in the Hullabaloo, he ends up shooting Nandy in, in the chest with a laser. So Nandy dies. There a handheld this... laser. He doesn't shoot lasers out of his hands like in Dragon no, Ball No, no, this is not a, a Dragon Ball Z moment. It is a handheld laser. Um, a pew-pew laser gun. And there's this moment where Mal and Anara are, you know, standing over the, the, the dead body of Nandy, and they, have, and they look at each other. And it, to me, it read as... We need to, to, you know, protect the rest of the place and, 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 you know, make sure Nandy's name lives on because she brought us together in a weird but sort of way. I kind of want to back you up just a little bit is there was a, a, in my opinion, one of the most clutch scenes of the episode was when uh, Nandy sees Inara afterwards, like after she's done crying and getting herself together. And she's like, I didn't know that you felt the same about him too. She didn't even have to say anything. Right. She just looked at Inara and was like, Inara's in love with Mal and she's upset that I boned him. And, and like, just it, like was, that. it was, unfortunately, that situation was two beats late because right before she starts shagging 
Mal, she flat out says to him, like, just like they are, their lips are about to touch. And she says, I'm not her. Mm-hmm. And then Mal's like, uh, I know. I know. I'm the doing only this. people in this room are you and me. You and me. So she is like, she knows how Mal feels. Unfortunately, she figured out how Inara feels a little too late. And the, 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 end of the episode is uh douchebag dies gets shot in the head <laughs> bipedaline holding the baby <laughs> <laughs> jonah say goodbye to your daddy <laughs> um she she apparently is going to it looks to me like she's going to take over the brothel and everything's going to be fine after and props to her for being able to do that like 10 minutes after having a kid. I don't even think it was 10 I minutes. I had a kid and I <laughs> to be could honest, not have I was kind done of surprised when she like came that. out. When she started walking out with the baby in tow, I was like, really? It's a little quick. <laughs> Simon's a really good doctor. <laughs> Seriously. Future, it's well. future doctor. That's, that's it. It's future medicine. Um, the culmination of the show is it, 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 it's, it's a conversation between Mal and Inara. <coughs> And Anara's explaining to him how when you're in a situation with so many people that you care about, that it, it, it sort of forces you to stay. And that she, in essence, doesn't want that to happen. She can't have that. And she's sorry that it took her this long, but she's leaving. And she just walks away, and the look of shock and sorrow on Mal's face speaks volumes without actually saying any words. Um now I I know what the next episode is, which I really don't think should have been the next episode because it's you know, it's the one where they're stealing the old laser gun and you know, in our this I wanted to see how this storyline continues because we now know how they feel about each other. And it is the sweetest form of love because they're not telling each other they're they're being strong for for the rest of the people that they're with and it's i don't know i i mean it is very sweet and i love the love between them but i always feel like when two characters are in love with each other and they both feel the same and then they have some fucking dumbass reason where they don't get together i'm like you're killing me, show. I believe, Fucking killing me. I believe this is a perfect time to quote Serenity. Uh, let's see if I remember it exactly. Um, if there was a woman that I cared for, not a power in the verse could keep me, could keep us apart. And Kaylee looks right into Mal's eyes and says, tell that to Inara. And I was like, fuck yeah, Kaylee. Tell that to Inara. Episodes ago. I, I mean, like, the, the whole show, the, the only... I mean, Mal always had a heart, but it's it's at a different level when it comes to dealing with Inara. The, you know, the the episode where he's he's protecting her honor by getting into a fucking sword fight, like, <laughs> <laughs> like it it shows how much he cares for her, and it's in a in a, in, a, in a level way past you know physical attraction. Like he cares about her. He 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 protects her honor by not. You know, he jokes around, you know, calling her a whore, but that's like tit for tat type of thing because she calls him a fucking crime lord or whatever 
terminology she uses. A petty thief. Petty and thief I love is that what it scene is. where they explain that because she she asks Mal like, "You'll call me a whore to my face, but you'll have a sword fight with a guy for di- disrespecting me." And he says. I don't respect your job. He didn't respect you. That's the difference. Exactly. And I, 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 God, this show is so good. It's so good. <laughs> and there you go. That's that, that's my my favoriteest couple on television. Karen. Yeah. Now I sort of buried the lead here when I said a couple from Friends, and the episode that we're speaking of, the one after Vegas, doesn't elude. To which couple we're speaking about. Indeed it does not. So Joey and... What's her name? What's the other one? The idiot? Phoebe. <laughs> Phoebe. Phoebe, right? That's who we're talking about? Absolutely. Cool. I just. I, I also <laughs> want to preface this by saying that um, we had a listener request a Friends episode. We are still planning on doing that. Okay. This is not it. <laughs> so, so hold out. We are still planning on doing it. I promise. <laughs> so what do you got for us, Karen? Uh, so this is a show about friends, and uh, all the main characters are friends. So it, it, I feel like they... you're air quoting that. Are you air quoting that? I can't see you. And, and yet, you know, most of the friends by the end of the series have become some form of couple with one of the other friends. And you would think that maybe I would be talking about Ross and Rachel, but you would be wrong. Because they are one of the worst couples I've ever seen. <laughs> I seriously just finished a, a Friends rewatch not that long ago. And Ross and Rachel, if you watch the last season of Friends, it is the most ridiculous back and forth of like every other episode. They're going to get together. Then they're not going to get together. Then I love her. Then I'm not going to tell her. Then I, like, And it's so... And, and they, I mean, they get together in the end because they have to. Because it's been 10 friggin' years of this crap. But that's not who we want to talk about because that's they're that they're not a great couple. Who's a great couple? Monica and Chandler is a great couple. <laughs> Monica and Chandler got together at the end of season four. Um, Ross was getting married in England to Emily, and uh, and say uh, faux pas, if you will. Yes. <laughs> And uh, so Monica Chandler happened to fall into bed in that, and then then they get back to America and uh, decide to keep going and stay as a couple. And they make it all the way a year. Um, They end up going to Vegas to celebrate their anniversary, and a bunch of silly sitcom stuff ensues. They get in a bunch of dumb fights, and then they make up from the fights, and they get caught up in the moment, and they're like, well, maybe we should get married. And so they go to a chapel to get married, and... They don't get married because they run into fucking Ross and Rachel, who are drunk and have just gotten married. (laughs) So the one after Vegas is the uh, premiere of season six, which uh, is, it's kind of poorly named because the half that most of the episode, they're still like, they're like packing up their stuff and leaving the morning after all this crazy weekend happened and they're still in Vegas. So... Uh, so they've just had this moment where they like, they, they both said that they wanted to get married and then they didn't get married. And now, now, now they both feel kind of weird. Uh, so they both have conversations separately with some of the other friends about like, geez, what am I going to do? I, I love, you know, I love him. I love her, but I, this is crazy. I don't want to get married yet. I like things the way they are. And I don't want to, I don't know how to tell the other person cause I don't want to hurt them. Uh, 
I'm replaying the whole scene when they're walking through the casino in my head, trying to talk to each other, and they're like, and we could, you know, I love you. And, you know, we could just do it. Th- th- I love you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they have a very tentative conversation about what are they going to do now, and, and, it, and everything is punctuated with, I love you. <laughs> it's, it's very cute. Uh, so they decide to let fate decide whether or not they should get married, just like they did the night before. Sort of. <laughs> and they uh, they roll the craps at, at the craps table, and they're like, only if we get this one number. If we get an eight, then we get married. All the other eleven possibilities that are <laughs> Wait a second. ten All possibilities. If it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine. 10, 11, 12, we don't get married. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So they do get an eight, but it's not a hard eight. It's not the same combination of numbers that they got the night before. So that this is like one of my favorite lines in this episode is Chandler's like, no wedding. Damn it. <laughs> I mean, Matthew Perry, God. <laughs> so so they they move on from this they're getting ready to leave vegas and go back to new york and they, now they get a series of signs from the universe that maybe they should get married they they're standing in front of an elevator holding hands the doors open and there's a priest and then monica gets injured on the way back from the airport and uh chandler ends up carrying her across the threshold into her apartment and then uh, back up yes and uh, something surprises Monica while she's holding some flowers and she throws them and Rachel catches them. <laughs> so this leads them to like a, uh, you know, all right, this is enough. The, this, is this a universe trying to tell us something? Should we just go ahead and go for it? And they have a really honest conversation where they both admit like, no, this is not the right step for us. And they, they you know, it's kind of a, a slanted reflection of the conversation they have in the casino where everything is i love you and i'm really scared about this um this is just like totally honest and like here are here are our feelings and oh look at that we both feel the same way and that's really awesome so they decide not to get married and to uh just keep things the way they are and then chandler leaves and comes back and proposes that instead of getting married they move in together uh, which is where my quote from the beginning of the episode comes from. That's one of my favorite quotes in all of Friends is, what if we live together and you understand what I'm saying? Because he first presents it as, what if I just unpacked here? And like it takes her like four tries to understand. But you have to keep coming back and forth, and that's just a waste. <laughs> so uh, so they... they decide to you know move in together and the studio audience goes wild and they have a really cute scene at the end of the episode where she gives them a key and they <laughs> door hasn't been locked in five years but okay <laughs> and then so he goes to test out the key and the key breaks and then they're like standing on each uh, on one side of the door like longing for each other are you hugging the door no yeah me neither me neither <laughs> So, uh, th- so this is the beginning of, uh, like, I don't know, there was some good comedy in the first year that they were dating, but I feel like this is the landmark of them really coming into their own as a couple and, like, taking it seriously and moving forward, like, in a realistic way, which, God forbid, I ever thought I would compare something that I was talking about to Dragon Ball, but when Chris was saying, like, they found realistic ways to show 
love and things like that on his show. Like, damn, that's what I was going to talk about. <laughs> Monica and Chandler are great because they are a real couple. They really love each other. They they know each other's flaws and they uh, like adapt around them and take that into account and don't get mad at the other person for like being who they are. Uh, I mean, there's some amount of stupid BS because it's a sitcom and they have to have contrived problems sometimes, but it's really limited with them. Um, And they are the ones who end up dealing with a lot of adult situations as the show goes on. They, you know. Um, I believe those those two. You know, like Ross and Rachel was just like a bunch of fucking bullshit. Like, like, eventually you wanted to slap both of them. Yeah, like, I didn't particularly care for either of them as human beings by the end of that <laughs> by the end of that show. But Chandler and Monica, like, I bought that those two characters would not only fall in love, but that they would last as a couple. Like, after Friends was over and Ross and Rachel got together, I was just like, that shit ain't gonna last. Like... <laughs> He's gonna show me three years from now. Like no, no fucking way are those two gonna end up forever together? Because they just they like to fight too damn much. They just they're not a good couple. They don't belong together. You can see how bad of a couple they are in this episode because uh, she is telling him that they need to get an annulment, and he says, "Yeah, all right, I'll take care of it." And you know, the next day, they're in the coffee shop, and she's like, did you take care of it? He's like, yeah, I'll take it care of She goes, okay, you want to go see a movie? He's like, yeah, sure. She walks away to go get her sweater, and he goes up to Phoebe, and he's like, hey, you want to hear something weird? We're still married. Don't tell her. <laughs> like, <laughs> I didn't get the annulment. Don't tell Rachel. See you later. <laughs> Which is like a good piece of business by David Schwimmer, but still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good. It's it makes for good comedy, but you know what? Lying doesn't make for a good relationship, relationship. <laughs> <laughs> especially about something like being married to each other. But uh, you know, these guys are the other side of the coin. They always support each other. They, you know, and when a big, lot of big issues came up for them, like when they decided to get married, uh, Monica wanted a big wedding, and Chandler w- didn't, you know didn't want to spend all their money on a wedding because he was the only one with savings, but then they, you know, talked it through and worked it out, and she was willing to give up what she wanted, and he eventually decided to use his savings to make her happy. It's a little, like, uh, Gift of the Magi there. Right. You know, they just kept going with that, with they, you know, Chandler's job moved to Oklahoma, and she was going to go with him, but then she got a really great job offer, so he said, you know, she should stay and take it, and they would just do a long distance thing and they went through infertility all these really like real things and they dealt with them in real ways that like real people would do at least real people who actually love each other and would work on problems together and like as a team they are a very very good couple one of my favorite points of that episode is towards as actually at the very end where Chandler standing outside the apartment trying to get in because the key is broken and Joey walks up He's like what's going on he goes oh, the key broke in the door and I, I can't get in he goes oh I could fix that goes into the apartment comes back out with a really big screwdriver rattles it around by the lock in subway doesn't do anything he's like that you didn't do it he's like, I'm not done and then he walks off screen and then comes barreling through and knocks the door down <laughs> <laughs> 
Chandler's response, you're such a fine craftsman, Joey. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, such a good show. Such a good show. Which we will talk about soon. By listener request. (laughs) By listener request. There will be a Friends episode. We will call it The One About Friends. All right. um, We're going to take a quick break. Uh, When we get back, we are going to talk about re... What did we call it? Reimagining? Reviving? We're going to just, you know, bring back some shows how we want them to be. Or how they should be. (sighs) Stay tuned. Welcome to the D-List. Jonathan Fugger takes a swing at an A-lister for a change in this look at the history of one of Marvel's most divisive characters. The man has inhabited some rather silly outfits over the years, but more importantly, he's fulfilled some very different roles, ranging from mutant leader to destructive cosmic force to dead guy. Head over to the Think Tank and check out One Nation Under Summers. The wrestling world was shocked recently by the surprise retirement of Daniel Bryan. If you don't know anything about wrestling, he's a really good dude with a really good beard. Dan Ryan, whose name sounds suspiciously similar to Mr. Bryan's, wrote a fantastic tribute to the man's career, and you can read it right now, if you so choose. Check out Why I Love Wrestling. No, no, no! Seriously, that's what it's called. I think it has something to do with people chanting, yes, 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 or something, while Dan Bryan is wrestling. I am one of those folks that doesn't know anything about wrestling, so, yeah. Are you ready for some unrestrained sexy time? Well, ready or not, Ryan Reynolds is invading Geek Aid thanks to Evan's undying love of Hollywood's premier ab delivery system. Evan has taken the time to point out some great Ryan Reynolds movies that you may not have seen before, and as an added bonus, he's compiled a list of some of the man's greatest ab shots, complete with timestamps for your convenience. So prepare your eyeballs for one of the most beautiful articles GeekAid has ever published. And read GeekAid Top 10, Ryan Reynolds movies you might not know, plus bonus abs. If you missed me last week on Paper Cuts and have since decided that you no longer want to live in this world, perhaps you should reconsider. For I, Evan, have returned from my symposium tour, and I'm ready to drop the dopest beats you've ever heard once again. There may have been some comic book talk, too. I'm really not too sure about that. So be sure to listen to Paper Cuts issue 71, back from the symposium. You can catch all this great stuff, plus tons of other articles, videos, podcasts, and more, right now at geekade.com. And we're back. Thank you for paying attention to our commercials. Uh, Like I said, for the second half, we are bringing back some shows. Now, the theory behind this is uh, we, we have chosen a canceled show that we want to come back but we have to change something in it to hopefully make it a success in this day and age uh so karen yes you're going first okay fine (laughs) (laughs) surprise this was a tough assignment for me because uh there's a lot of canceled shows that to me are just like tragically canceled like i like that show i didn't think there was anything wrong with it why did you get rid of it um because people are stupid and don't watch them is the answer to why those shows get rid of 
But uh, I finally landed on one that I think uh, I think if we made some tweaks to it could it could come back and it could work and it could stay. Um, Freaks and Geeks, which was on the air in 1999, so it was 17 years ago, you guys. 17. Whoa. 17 <sighs> years ago. God. Um, <laughs> so I, I think it's 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 laid fallow long enough that it would it be time to bring it back. Uh, I think that the uh, I this. If you haven't seen it, is a show about a cast of characters. Half are the uh, outcast misfits of the school, the freaks, and the other half are the you know really nerdy kids, the geeks. Uh, and it's set in like Ohio in I want to say nineteen seventy nine or the early eighties. Uh, so and at the time, this was like a launching pad. We've talked about the show before. It was a launching pad for a lot of um, people who are super famous now, like James Franco. Uh, Jason Sagal, um, why am I blanking Seth on Rogen. Seth Rogen, thank you. And Judd Linda Apatow Carlini. was the uh, <laughs> was the brains behind it, and he obviously went on to be a mega super director in Hollywood. Uh, but at the time, you know these these were still kids, and like I don't think anybody had really heard of most of them. And that part of it, I think, would work today. We just need to find some, like, unknown talent, have casting calls, and mm-hmm. find some kids that nobody has uh, nobody seen before but that are really talented. Uh, I think if you're going to make it work today, you need to. we need to change the time period. I don't think that the 80s nostalgia is really going to be relevant to audiences today. I mean, it's relevant to us, but... Uh, it's more than just us that they're trying to uh, get the attention of to keep a show on the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff from the 90s coming back now. They are the late 80s and the 90s. Uh, X-Files is back. Full House is coming back with a reboot. Uh, the Boy Meets World is got the sequel now, Girl Meets World. Uh, so I think 90s is a good time period to set it in. I think, uh, I think it's... Uh, like not and not even early '90s, sort of mid to late '90s, is a period that uh, that is a touchstone for a lot of people uh, that would watch this. Yeah, those I that think, are making the decisions for television now. Mm-hmm. That's their sweet spot right there. Exactly. That's why all these '90s things are coming back. Um, I think that it would be good to get some like '90s stars to be on it, uh, which is tough because. A lot of people who were like either like teen stars in the 90s either have gone on to great success or have faded into obscurity and nobody cares. Or they're a horrible train wreck that we all point and laugh at every time they show up on television. True. Um, but I think there's some 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 people from the cast that are not you know so huge that you couldn't get them to come do this and that would work and their characters would make sense um i think millie um who is the best friend from across the street the the super like straight christian Mm -hmm. girl i think that she would be great to be put into the school as the guidance counselor the successor to uh the Dave Gruber Allen character, because, you know, she was always, you know, super straight edge and making sure that no kids got out of line or did anything bad. And I think that's just a natural progression for that character to move into that role. Interesting. 
And uh, I think if anybody from the main cast would be available to come back and would be like, like knock it out of the park, and it would make sense for their character, is to have Martin Starr come back as Bill and be like a science teacher. Because of okay. all of those guys, like, I mean, I think, you know, <laughs> I just, I can see trajectories for most of those characters. And, you know, a lot of the freaks, I, I can see them not really having left town, but not really um, having, you know, it just doesn't make sense for their characters to be involved in the school type it, it, of world. It's funny because you said Martin. I was thinking John Francis Daly, this yeah. Sam character, more of an English teacher for some reason. I could see that too. Maybe the two thinking. of them stuck around town together and like <laughs> Sam like went off to Hollywood. Or was it Neil? It's Sam Levine that plays the character Sam of Neil. Neil. Right. Like he went off to Hollywood and tried to be like, I don't know. Like he had that whole ventriloquist plot line. I could just see him like chasing... <laughs> Uh, what's, that, what's, what's that guy's name that does all the puppetry work? Oh, Jesus. Carrot Top? No. No, no. Um, I know who you're thinking of. This is a stand-up guy. Um, <laughs> Jeff Dunham. Jeff, Jeff Dunham. Dunham. That guy. Yeah, like, you know, he's he the, Jewish the, Jeff, Jeff the Jewish Jeff Dunham. The Jewish Jeff Dunham. There you go. Write down that show title. <laughs> it would be it, it would be great to keep Sam on the show because then you can tie in the parents. Oh, the parents are such great characters that I would love to see them like still in like, you know, grand grandparent kind of characters, like the cranky old grandpa of <laughs> Joe Flaherty. Nice. I mean, he was already a cranky old grandpa when his kids were in high school, so like how much better would that be with if he actually had grandkids? That would work. Um Yeah, and like, you know, <sighs> I was racking my brains to try and think, like, of a 90s, like, star that would work on the show as, like, one other teacher or something. And the only thing I can think is maybe, like, a cast member from the state. Like, one of the lesser known ones could be another, like, like gym teacher or something. Because they had, uh, oh, I'm not going to remember the guy's name, but the guy who played Biff in Back to the Future, he was the gym mm-hmm. teacher right. on the original show. So, you know, someone of that level of, like... Not really famous, but kind of famous to people who, like, are, you know, obsessed with you cult things. You sort of recognize him, but you're not like 100% sure where. Elias Coteus could be on there. Fucking, <laughs> <laughs> you're the only person on Earth who knows who Elias Coteus is, and I love it. <laughs> Tell me he would be perfect on that. Uh, I, I, I guess I could see that, and, and I can't imagine what the hell else he's doing right now. <laughs> Yeah, so that's my idea. Bring it back, nice. freaks and geeks. Nice. I like it. I'd sign up. Chris? All right. Um, well, all right. So the obvious choice for me uh, was Law & Order, but I wouldn't change a fucking thing. Like, <laughs> like you, don't, you don't have to change anything for Law & Order. You just put a new what? cast. Wasn't it on for 47 seasons? <laughs> it was on for uh, like 19, 20. 20 seasons. All right. I like, wasn't that far off. And like it was, it was so good. Like even at the end, it was really good. Like they started getting a little wacky in the middle there, where they wanted to add like an overarching story and get a little more into the backstory of the main characters. But the reason the show was timeless was because you you didn't need to know the backstory of the characters. It was all about the crime, 
And they really started getting back to just really good stuff at the end of the series. <laughs> what show are you bringing back, Chris? Anyway, um, <laughs> I while uh, Karen was talking, the thought of Clarissa Explains It All jumped into my head. And <laughs> <laughs> be like, Clarissa Explains the Rest, and she could be all old and... Uh, but she's and, already doing that dumb Melissa and Joey show, or I don't know if that's still on, where somehow they paired her up with Joey Lawrence and made a show on, like, whoa. Disney Channel or some shit. Like, I don't know. The show I, I want to... I would like to see Clarissa Explains the Internet. <laughs> <laughs> yes! I would pay some fucking money for that one. <laughs> Sorry, I'm writing that one down. <laughs> okay. Anyway... Uh, the show I want to bring back is a, a cartoon that I used to love when I was a little kid called Captain N, the Game Master. Nice. This show is vile. Um, it is nigh unwatchable. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, bring it, it back. <laughs> absolutely terrible. Uh, it, but in a almost endearing kind of funny way, kind of like the, the Super Mario Brothers Super Show or like Thundercats or some shit like that. It's It is such... It is such a product of its time, but what's in the the concept of the show is really really fun, especially for for little kids, uh, and tying it into the, the worlds of video games. So the plot of this show is that this kid named Kevin and his dog Duke get sucked into his TV and wind up in Video Land, Jesus. and it's like. This crazy mishmash of all these different video game worlds, and the video game, there's a princess, uh, Lana, who is, like, in charge of things, basically. I I don't remember where the king is. I think maybe he's missing. I don't know. But she teams up with Captain N, who, like, has a zapper gun and can, like, pause and do all kinds of really silly video game-related tropes. But they travel from world to world fighting these recurring bad guys, and all the different worlds are different video games. And if you just do this right, if you just put a little bit of attention into making it of quality right now, it could be great. It could. It could be really fun. I'm looking back at the cast of characters that showed up. Granted, there are things like Eggplant Wizard and, and, and the such, but King Hippo... Uh huh. Kid Icarus, Simon Belmont, Mega Man, Doctor Wily. I mean, I forgot Mother Brain was on that show. Yeah, and and here's the thing is that they got all these characters really, really wrong. Like, okay, <laughs> let let let's let's go down the list. Uh, the main characters: Simon Belmont is the vampire hunter star of Castlevania, and they basically turned him into Vanity Smurf. Is just a complete narcissistic, useless buffoon. I forgot so, that. That's a good time. Uh, Kid Icarus. The character's name is Pit. The name of the game is Kid Icarus. <laughs> so that's that's really weird. And he's kind of this like floating emo kid who adds the syllables Icarus to the end of every sing every sentence he says. Uh, Mega Man is modeled after like. Like a cross between a member of the Lollipop Guild and the bad box art Mega Man, and he talks like this, and everything starts with Mega. <laughs> oh, what the hell? Uh, Mother Brain is a sassy black woman, because why not? Uh, Eggplant Wizard, which is a bad guy from Kid Icarus, um, never really had any characterization, so I guess they didn't really get him wrong. Um, and uh, King Hippo is blue. 
<laughs> Why is King Hippo blue? I don't know. It's so weird. Because uh, hippos are blue, like in nature. Ah, right? Uh, right, right. Flawless. Um, side note, I used to, used to have a guy who worked for me who looked just like King Hippo on this show. Except he wasn't blue. Uh, oh boy, that guy was disturbing to look at. Anyway, um, yeah, so all you have to do is, I mean, obviously this was very centered around the worlds of Nintendo, hence Captain N. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you just just make this like a Smash Brothers TV show, except you put a character that's not, you know, like none of the main characters from the games can be the main character because that's what that was the hook for kids. It was, here's a kid that you can relate to, that's a human from the real world that is going through all these video game worlds. And I mean, you know, this is the kind of thing that could be done with CG. Like, uh, I'm usually such a stickler for hand-drawn animation, but I mean, this is the thing about video games. You can make it look like the Clone Wars or uh, Star Wars Rebels or whatever. Or even that Pac-Man show, which is apparently good. I've never seen it, but whatever. <laughs> I'm, I'm told it's actually quite good, but it's such a, a ripe thing. And and the different licenses that you could get involved in this like crap if there was a minecraft world that they revisited on a regular basis it would be a shoe in just imagining a character like this going in and out of these different worlds and visiting all these different modern video games game publishers would would obviously want their games showcased on there. They would there. sell a crap ton of games. Exactly. It would help sell a bunch of different games instead of just having it focus on one property. And then you also have the property of the show itself. So yeah, there's a lot going to be a lot of rights issues involved. But if they can get friggin' Ryu, Mega Man, Pac-Man, Sonic, Bayonetta in, in Smash Brothers, then they can do something like this for a cartoon. They used to do it all the time. But this was like the show, uh, besides the Super Mario Brothers Super Show, for me when I was a kid. I loved watching this show, even though I knew it was so wrong, it was still neat to see these animated versions of uh, friggin' Adventures of Bayou Billy and whatnot. Like, just all these obscure games, and it was a way to make all that stuff just, just put it into the general consciousness a little bit better, and I just think that a show with this basic premise, but made by a company that gives a crap and actually put some effort into it could be astonishing, especially for kids. I like it. I agree. I think it could be done really well, uh, especially with the amount of stuff that's available now. Oh, yeah. And so and definitely much. has to be funny. Like, because that was the other thing. The show was an action comedy. So it was, it was meant to be funny and like the characters of king hippo having king hippo in the eggplant wizard be your primary villains besides mother brain who physically can't do anything because right. she's a brain in a jar mm-hmm. is inherently funny yes, so is. i mean j- just work with that i mean it doesn't have to be king hippo because king hippo's characterization in later games has just been that he is essentially a mute moron who's really powerful and loves pineapples um <laughs> but uh, he just find other bizarre characters and just imagining all the different worlds that they could go to, like, you know, having a Splatoon episode and then follow it up with a Street Fighter episode or something. There's so many interesting worlds that they could they could do and uh, he, so much fun did, that could be had. Did Kevin pop in and out of the game world? Or was he just I, You know, in? I don't remember. I know that he was in for at least 
the the major chunk of the show. I think he was able to go back, but okay. for the most part, his mom must have been wondering where the fuck he was for a right. good long while. Right, right, right. And eventually they brought a game, a sentient floating Game Boy into a thing, and that was really obnoxious. That was a terrible idea. This giant, like, eight-foot Game Boy floating around who communicates via weird smiley faces on his screen and didn't do anything. Ugh, bad. Really dumb. And this is a dumb idea in, like, a show full of dumb ideas, so. <laughs> so blended in right there. Beautifully. It really did. All right, I like it. I like it. I can actually see that being a thing. With all the properties that are available to Nintendo, especially with, you know, the fighting games and whatnot, this that could be a thing. I like that. All right. Um, my, I've been talking about this theory of mine for a while. As we all know, I am a fan of the Firefly. And everybody feels that it was tragically canceled. I have gotten past the fact that I am not going to see a Firefly television show again. The The, you know, the cast is grown up they all look different or some of them are a little too old for the parts now some people are a little too douchey to come back i want to see firefly brought back as an animated series huh uh, the time period that it, it it shows should be from the end of the actual show leading up to the 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 meat of serenity granted serenity retells like the origin of the cast but to the main story the main plot story of of the movie and tells us what happens in that chunk of time um a bunch of the comic books take place in that time period um i i foresee it being aeon fluxian art style Ugh, really? Peter Chung? I, 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 I just like that art style. Ugh, gross. Because um, you can't have that without everyone wearing a cod piece. And I'm not okay with everyone in Serenity wearing a cod piece. I don't... <laughs> look at, look at Hang Neon on a Flux. second. Look at Rain the Conqueror. <laughs> Everything Peter Chung does, people have just flagrant cod pieces everywhere. Everything is always centered on someone's crotch. I so, think it makes perfect sense to have Jane in a cod piece. <laughs> <laughs> he refers to it as that, you know, frequently. <laughs> My swinging cod. I, okay, uh, We've got. I like the rails. elongated artwork. How's that? Doesn't necessarily have to be that gentleman because I just looked up Aeon Flux and boy, did, is there a lot of, we'll just call it fan art. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can't let anybody see that I searched that out. Um, I don't really give a shit about what the art style is. In my head, that's what I see. <coughs> Excuse me. But I feel that they, they could pull this off easier than trying to get the whole cast back together. Um, have them all do their voices. Bring Nathan Fillion, Gina Torres, Alan Tudyk, all of them. Bring them all back to you know sit in a booth and record. They don't have to be together. That's how cartoons work. You don't have to be together to do the... the you know the show, um, and it'll there. There is a a story void between the show and the movie that they can fill. They can run that, and then fuck it, redo the uh, a story and go past the movie. You know, show the the horrible things that happened in that movie, horrible, horrible, horrible things to poor Alan. 
and sh- and show me the birth of his child and and shit like that. Like, give me more of this story. I don't, I don't understand why it's not happening. Because like, it's it's so it's ready to be done. I, I mean, I I would imagine that the reason it's not happening is because you know, how do you market that? Like, okay, Archer. Yeah. Is on for seven seasons. And it's it's a comedy, like a very raunchy comedy. Like okay. what kind of relatively serious sci science fiction animated series? I mean, because this wouldn't be something like this is Adult Swim type material, um, but not like grotesquely funny. Like this isn't Rick and Morty we're talking about. I don't. This is, I I don't see this being. I I hate Adult Swim. I think most of the, the, the shows on Adult Swim are, are wastes. Well, we're not saying. We're saying exactly that, that it's not an Adult exactly. Swim type okay. of show. Yeah, like, where would you put FX? this? What, would FX air a primetime animated sci-fi series? I, I just, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I can't imagine them. I mean, obviously, they could be, they could take the risk. But I think, I think something like that is a tremendous risk because it's, you know, you're you're talking about reviving an established property with a cult following, which would obviously be successful in its own right. I mean, we're talking about something that, if they bothered to do it, would probably be successful, similar to the way the Deadpool movie's working. Like, everyone said they wanted a Deadpool movie with just the character in it, and then Fox finally gives up and says, okay, fine, here's a shoestring budget, make it work, and they made all the money. Surprise. But <laughs> They made all the monies. I can't. I mean, I just can't imagine um, a, one of the networks taking a risk on something like this. Now, if this was turned out to be, say, like a Netflix original series, now something like that, I guess I could see them taking a risk on something like that. I, and absolutely, I could. It's so much easily, easily, more easily see it on a Netflix, a Hulu. Dump it out, get it all out there, and let us absorb it then i mean there's fx fx x right there's a couple of x's yeah um it's i like i can't think of anything else like it because it's not really it's a, it would be in my theory you know an hour long dramedy because there is are major points of levity in the the oh yeah, of course. Yeah, it's not all. It's it's the show drawn and evil, right? Um, I, I, I'm not really concerned. I really didn't think about where it would be going. I'm just making sure that I, I got out the idea that I want it to happen. So hopefully somebody's listening. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like the kind of experimental type of project that would do well on a streaming service. Mm-hmm. Uh, my question is, would you have um, any of the artists that worked on the Firefly comics work on the show? Like, is there a particular one that um, that you like? I, I saw, I'll actually send out an image, Chris, throw it up on, in the show notes uh, when we're done. My my mind's eye saw it in that, in the art style of this gentleman who, I can't remember his name right now, I, I saw his artwork at a, at a convention, and I actually picked up a piece for you. I want to say it was Earthworm Jim. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy. <laughs> that would be interesting. 
Um, See, now you you say animated, and I think on on something like this, I immediately think CG, just because I can I can picture that being <coughs> visibly similar to something like Star Wars Rebels. Not to bring up I the hate same that thing again. I don't want to see that artwork. Hmm. I don't. I, I I feel that's like cheating. Like nobody has any definition. Nobody has it. Like Archer and that style, mm-hmm. which is CG ish, but they still have. It, it, the heavy lines and the and, and the outlines of the characters, it's it just essentially a looks hand drawn, whereas you know Star not. Wars Rebels looks CG. Right. I don't like it. With, like okay, there was a couple of um, actually a number of cartoons do it. Whenever the action scenes happen, like Batman, the Batman was uh-huh. called the Batman. Every time the car drove, it was obvious CG, but everything else wasn't. Like I don't like that. Yeah, pick, I'm not a pick, fan of that either. Pick one way or be, the other type of thing. Should be consistent. Um I don't like the 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 space, I mean, the 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 ship, it 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 begs to be hand drawn because of the amount of detail and, you know, wariness on the ship. Hmm. For it to be smooth and and CG'd out, I think would be a detriment to it. But a number of the artists that like, yeah, I, I mean, I don't care really who draws it, as long as it's not. I'm doing it. That's fine. Oh no, that it's going to be in crayon and things. People's it's gonna like, be in flip hands books. are on backwards. I'm gonna do it left-handed. It's gonna be great. It's gonna, it's gonna be awesome. <laughs> That's what I want to see. I want to see an in-depth continuation of the story from Firefly animated. Because I, you know, I like Castle. I really do. I don't think he's putting on those spats, you know, those those cowboy suspenders anymore. I don't think he's going to be able to do it. Sorry. I know, I bet he could if he worked out. He would have I, to work. I out. I feel like he would. See, here's the here's the thing where I I kind of go back and forth. I think this is a brilliant idea, and I never really thought about it because I. I don't know. There's a certain stigma that comes with animated editions of live action series. And and in my opinion, it hasn't really been done well in any way that I can think of. Um, But I think Star Wars. Yeah, but the thing with the Star Wars, like Clone Wars, I guess, is kind of a that is a uh, that is a birth of the, the, the parents that it had. Yeah. Okay. So if it came, <laughs> it came from shit. You're getting shit. Yeah, and and like I liked, I liked a lot of the Clone Wars, but I guess, um, you know, I think back to like you know, the Star Trek, the animated series. It was you know unmitigated garbage. Um, there's you know, those animated uh, tie-ins yeah, to the super- Arrow Flash universe um, about what's her name. Ah, jeez, oh, I can't remember the character's name. Um, Vixen. Well- and like that kind of stuff is is good, but it always feels like it's just kind of missing a little bit of something. But my experience with with live action made into cartoon was they made a cartoon for kids so that they can participate in the show that their parents watch. Yeah. And that's not what I want this to be. I, this is not a child's version. I want it to be Firefly. Yeah. I want it to be an adult show. Well, I, I, you know what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying. And I guess the opposite side of it is, is that part of me would love to see the actors come back and then just tell the story of where all these people are now. Like, right. tell the story of them all being older and relatively out of shape or whatever needs to <laughs> needs to be uh, needs to be told. I think that would also be a really interesting thing to watch. But it's something else that could also be done 
uh, via animation. And you're absolutely right. That is a lot easier to get them to do voice cast, you know, voice acting type stuff as opposed to, you know, ga- gathering mm-hmm. them all together and building sets. So, yeah, that's a... Fox. That, that's a... Uh, um, where did Bob's Burger? Fox. Bob's Fox, right? Yeah, okay. Fox has a, a phenomenal cartoon lineup. They do, but the I can't think of a time in in I can't think of a time ever, with the exception of maybe when Fox decided to put Batman the animated series in prime time for for like a month or so, that anyone has ever attempted a serious animated show to compete with like a live action show. Like I can't well, think of it with the exception of comedies. Like Obviously, you've got The Simpsons and Family Guy and American Dad. You've got, you know, stuff like Rick and Morty. Um, but serious animation type stuff like drama, uh, it just doesn't happen on American television. And I would hate to see this go the anime route because it just, I don't think this really is suited for that. I think it would lose a lot of the soul of the show. So it would have to be the soul of the original show, but animated. And mm-hmm. that's that's a that's a huge risk, but... I feel like if they made it and made it well, it would pay off immensely. I think we should just figure out how much the licensing costs <laughs> and just do it ourselves. I know some artist people. I think I it's a plan. I think I'm on we'll, board, especially we'll if on, it means I get to meet Nathan Fillion. <laughs> Indeed. We'll put it up on Geek Aid. We'll start a Kickstarter for it. Dunzo. Nice. All right. That's our choices. Um, tell us what you think. What are your shows that you want to see come back? Hit us up on the on the emails, you know, geekade mail at geekade.com. Chris, give us the rest of the information. Well, like Evan said, if you want to get in touch with this, you can do it at mail at geekade.com, as well as all flavors of social media that we inhabit. You can like us on Facebook, find us on Instagram at Geekade, subscribe to our YouTube and Twitch channels for all our latest video content, and follow us on Twitter at the underscore Geekade, or follow this show specifically at Twepcast. You can also find us individually on Twitter. I'm at Geekade Chris, that's Geekade K-R-I-S. Evan is at Geekade underscore Evan. And Karen is at shoot underscore the underscore moon. If you're interested in more information about anything we discussed tonight, be sure to check out the show notes. And while you're at it, you can also subscribe to this and any of our other wonderful podcasts on iTunes and, I believe, Stitcher. Where if you're super nice, you can leave us a review because any and all feedback is welcome and appreciated. Again, always remember to keep your eyes on geekade.com where we post something new every single day. Back to you, Evan. Fantastic, Chris. Thank you so much. So, that's our show for this week. I uh, hope you enjoyed. Um, we'll just have to, you know, live with what we have and just pray that at some point in time someone listens to some of these episodes and says, hey, that's a good idea. Let's bring Brad. Fuller House exists. Yeah, Anything is possible. really fucking bothers me. Have you seen the trailers for that show? It's the same exact humor as Full House. I, really? I just, oh yeah, it is the same exact Who humor. for that show? I think a lot of people asked for that show, and they're going to get it and be like, you know what? No, this thanks. isn't very good. <laughs> <laughs> I, it, 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 uh, anywho. <laughs> so, with that being said, uh, from all of us here at this week's episode, I'm Evan. I'm Karen. And I'm Chris. Good night. I think we're all a little worse for the wear tonight. 
Stupid uh, winner. <clears throat> I'm just choking on some spit. I don't know what that's about. You just well, maybe you should stop drinking from that giant glass of spit you have next to you. <laughs> that's disgusting. Well, then what would be the point of the giant bar, d- glass of spit? I don't know. I've been asking you that forever. Now, careful, Evan. Fugger. Why would you do that? <laughs> now you know I'm going to mess up. Jonathan Fugger. Fugger Heigen. <laughs> Welcome to the D-Liths. Jonathan Fugger takes a swing at an A. Oh, fucking A. <laughs> I can't breathe through my nose. <laughs> As you're reading that, I can hear the bounce chicka wow wow music playing I was in doing my head. My, I was doing my level best. <laughs> Picturing those like late night uh, porn line commercials. Wait, he's like... playing with the phone cord. You know yeah. what I'm talking about. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was trying to tease up my hair while I was talking. <laughs> there we are. Hold on one moment. Holding. Oh my aching ass. What ass? Exactly. Wow, I just had deja vu. <laughs> yeah, we have that conversation pretty much. All the time. And this concludes our broadcast day.